Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How did get 30, 30, how get 30, how get 20, 20, 20, get 20, 20, how get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The, the earliest uh, significant moment, I guess, in the whole scheme of things for our listeners is you losing your sight in your left eye as a five-year-old. How did that happen? Yeah, I was born very short-sighted. So I, I wore really thick glasses and uh, I think the fashion of them might be coming round. But in the 1970s uh, and the 80s, there were national health glasses, which were sort of tortoise shell frames and Everyone and everyone had them. They were free, I think. So I wore those, but with really thick lenses in them. And when you have, when you're born short-sighted, you have a tendency to get detached retinas if you get a bang in the head. Ah. So I wasn't, and I've really found out from from my mum recently. But at the time, they they didn't really know uh, when I was three, four, five that I shouldn't have been in the playground playing football. Uh, avoiding getting a knock on the head at all costs but that must have happened in the playground and in fact that conversation with my mum she says it did happen in the playground because I came back my glasses were broken I had a big bruise on my eye and and then ultimately I I got a detached retina lost the sight in that uh, in the right eye when I was when I was five and then it went on we then realized that I needed to avoid knocks on the head and I had another detachment when I was eight, when I was 15. And then when I was 22, the the retina just started hemorrhaging. But, you know, when I, I've just told you that five, you know, five, eight, 14, bang, 22, job done. But uh, that would suggest that there was some sort of inevitability about it. And there wasn't. You don't necessarily go blind if you've got, short sight or or indeed if you have detached retinas um i just had multiple detached retinas and it eventually led to sight loss and and was that because you were leading a particularly physical life a childhood because i know you were very sporty growing up but um as you say it wasn't inevitable so why did it happen well i i had a desire to be sporty but i wasn't allowed to play any of the sports that were offered in school the uh, mini rugby mini football cricket uh, hockey so eventually I I was able to quench my desire to be a competitor by uh, by rowing and and also sailing so I wasn't I wasn't involved in any sports that might 
have damaged my eyes in any way. But I was certainly driven to to compete, perhaps driven to prove myself, um, you know, to get up on the stage uh, in assembly in school on a Monday morning to collect our medals that we won in the rowing, maybe to show to the rugby guys that we could yeah. also compete. And those medals included a couple of Commonwealth ones, a gold and a silver, didn't it? Tell us about that. So that that came, you know, by the time I was 22, my my whole identity was wrapped up with being a rower. I had I'd been rowing for the university. I'd broken into the the Irish setup, and in fact, the bl- it was after I went blind that the I went blind in '98, and then in 2002, the Commonwealth Games were were in England, and the rowing was in in Nottingham. It was the Manchester Games, but the rowing was in Nottingham. And as part of the kind of rebuilding of my identity, getting back in a boat was a massive part of that, and having the Commonwealth Games as something to go for was and really just to get on the team to row at the championships um, and then ultimately to go on and win uh, we won silver and bronze so you've upgraded me ah, to a goal there but like don't you, let the detail get away the good story <laughs> well that, that's it and I, I, you know I, I, I hasten to add that the Commonwealth Games like when you take out all the countries in the Commonwealth who don't actually row you know, it narrows the field, and then Australia got food poisoning. Oh you come know, on! So, I'm not taking so, this. Right? So no, you no, know, no. we were we were like we were already celebrating when Australia <laughs> were taken out of the mix, but um, but you know, at the time it was hugely important as part of a, a way for me to rebuild my identity, mm. to feel like the person I was before I lost lost my sight, and it, it was really the springboard for for all of the adventure racing that came after. So were you rowing along with fully sighted people? Mm. Well, that, that that was the amazing thing about the sport that I ended up finding myself in because rowing uh, rowing's one of those sports that you can compete. You're, I mean, you're going backwards for anyway when you're in the boat. <laughs> so uh, I had another guy steering and you know, maybe maybe I missed out a little bit on reading the race tactically, but uh, the guy sitting behind me would give me the detail when we should make our moves and I was told I was told that I was probably a better rower um after I went blind than I was <laughs> when I could see, which was strangely offensive and <laughs> maybe a nice thing as well. Actually, I'm interested at how your other senses are affected because I've done a bit of work with guide dogs for the blind and they mm. were you know, talking sort of anecdotally that actually all the other senses are heightened. Is that true? I think I think it, cer- it certainly is true in, in so much as you use your other senses. I don't know if in absolute terms your hearing gets better or whatever. And, and I think hearing, while it's the one that you naturally go to you must use your ears if you lose your lose your eyes but i think certainly use your hearing but the other one which maybe doesn't isn't appreciated enough you would know with with guide dogs that you, when you're walking along you're feeling the undulations on the ground mm. the the different terrain you're feeling maybe the wind on the on your face when you get to the you go from a building to an open road so using sound you're using feeling through your feet, wind in your face, all of your senses combined. So I think you're maybe just using them more because you have to. Mm. Um, and the eye, the eyes are such a 
a force they tend to take 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 over i think and how much if any site do you have now is it gone completely yeah yeah i like to do uh i like to do things in good measure so you know 100 100 percent blind uh yeah and i i wonder sometimes you some people with guide dogs might have tunnel vision so they they could be sitting there reading mm. on a train and then they get up with their guide dog and you know sometimes they have to ship some abuse because people don't believe that they're if you're visually impaired that people somehow are offended by someone passing off as actually being blind you How know it's weird you? yeah, yeah it's sort of weird and um i don't know it's, it seems to me somehow more heartbreaking to have had your sight and lost it than never to have had it at all. Is is that how you feel? Yeah, I, well, you know, I I, I know a, a, a blind guy in Dublin who who's never who's never seen, and we've had this this discussion. He he's not fussed on on not seeing on being able to see because he's he's never experienced what it's like to see, so he doesn't really even know what I'm talking about when I'm having the discussion with him. Uh, in my case, having seen and then lost it, I would certainly uh, like to be able to see again. I miss it. Um, I don't know whether I'll ever entirely embrace it, um, although I've absolutely accepted that it is the case and it may never may never change. Mm. But I, I certainly miss being, being able to see. So, So when you have dreams and when you think about life, is it all based on memory? Um, it's it's a very difficult one uh, because I I would my immediate reaction was to say yes there, but loads of the experiences and loads of the people that I now know, uh, for example, the Gobi Desert. Um, when did six marathons in a week in the Gobi Desert? I've never been there. I don't know what it looks like. Uh, I don't think I'd been flicking through National Geographic magazines and having a look at the Gobi Desert in particular. And the guy that I did the race with uh, is a friend that I made after I went blind. I have a whole range of memories of that entire experience and my teammate that I did the race with and the competitors we raced against have a a visual catalogue of that in my head. And I don't know whether it's based on a collection of memories from when I could see or from the collection of senses that make up the images that pop into my head it's it's so difficult to to decouple what's real and what's what's made up that's so interesting that you can cobble together images based on that's my uh, friend just leaving the building. Look, you see, your senses are heightened. You heard some keys shangling then, didn't you? I yeah, bet our yeah, listeners yeah, didn't. Yeah. Mark just turned his head then to work out what that noise was. Um, but it's really interesting to me that you can kind of cobble together images and not know whether you've actually witnessed it or whether you've created it. And do you think that's the same about your friend in Dublin and anyone, for example, who has been born blind and never seen? Well, look, I, I think, yeah. I, you see... The the images that we see in our brain, you know, it it's not it's not a they're not real <laughs> they're not real they're just they're just neurons firing in the visual uh, visual center in the in the brain and I was able to I mean to, to give you an example of why your eyes aren't necessarily how we see um, 
I used a, a device called a Brainport in, in uh, Wisconsin in the States. And it's a, a video camera attached to a set of glasses. And the video camera is attached to electro, an electrode that sits on the tongue. And as I was able to look at a, a black letter on a white card and through the little kind of champagne bubble electricity pulses that were on my tongue, I was able to see the shape of the letter. And that letter came to me in an image. Wow. So I didn't see it. The camera saw it. The the way that it was, the images were transported were in fact through touch, and then that activated the visual center in the brain, the visual cortex. I want to say so, I was able to see the image. So perhaps the visual world is not necessarily made up of sight in its entirety, mm. but it's in fact made up of experiences and all of these other senses that we have. So were you able to see that? letter because of past memories past experience Mm. no i think that was i think that was based on 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 new new stimulation via a different different pathway and that was that was through the tongue so so yes perhaps going back to this gobi desert experience perhaps it wasn't based on it would be part memories, but it would be partly experiences combined, and the our incredible brains do do what they got to do to produce memories and images and feelings and emotions all combined to make us human. That is fascinating. Actually, more of that later because I know that a big part of your life now is this intersection where humans and technology collide, and and what you can do to that. And the reason we'll come on to that later is I think it's significant, important, vital for the listeners to know the next big moment in your life, as if being blind wasn't tough enough. In 2010, you you suffered life-altering injuries in a fall. Tell us what happened. Yeah, well, things... Look, things were going well at that stage. I'd really uh, become comfortable with the blindness I had rebuilt rebuilt my identity I'd switched from rowing to adventure racing I'd I'd done a race to the South Pole um in 2009 and the first and only blind person to race to the South Pole first and only blind person yep and thankfully the blind guy a blind guy climbed Everest a while before that so I didn't have to do any mountain climbing that's too dangerous but um, but a, a, a British guy called Tony Martin an ex-British Royal Marine had staged this this race in the South Pole it was the first race to the South Pole since you know Scott and Shackleton and Amundsen had tried to be the first to, to get there a hundred years before and in the interim expeditions had gone to the South Pole many of them but never a an adventure race with multiple teams and that's what I was into I was into racing so um, on the 10th anniversary of losing my sight I had this opportunity to 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 go and do my version of the world championships or the or the Olympics as I said the Commonwealth Games hadn't satisfied that desire to compete and and really the South Pole was a chance for me to compete at a level that I'd aspired to before I lost my sight. And having done that over 43 days and competed in the race and had the experience, I kind of came back with this uh, kind of long-lasting sense of contentment 
and that lasted for about a year. Uh, during that time, I asked my girlfriend uh, to marry me, um, and Yay. she said yes, which was you know remarkable. That's how confident I, I was at the time, because she wasn't you know she wasn't she wasn't uh, mad into getting married. In fact, she said she'd already told me she wouldn't she wouldn't be getting married. So you know that's that's the level of confidence I was at. <laughs> you did it in the magic year <laughs> yeah, when exactly. anything was possible. Exactly, and we were due to get married at the end of July. 2010 and I had I was over in England at at, um, at Henley Royal Regatta where I used to race in the rowing and I used to go back every year and I, I was there on the second night uh, I went back to the to the place I was staying and next thing I knew I was two stories down on the on the concrete below and I'd fallen from a, a second story window onto the onto the, the ground below and found myself now uh, on the way to hospital, knowing, immediately knowing that I was paralysed. How did you know? I, I, I don't know. I, I have no idea how I knew, but bar the very obvious that I couldn't move my, couldn't move my legs or, or feel anything, but you know, I was absolutely out of it. I was in terrible pain. Very quickly I was on high doses of morphine, but... I just knew immediately in between blacking out um, that I was paralyzed. And in fact, the diagnosis doesn't, you know, the doctors don't come in the next day and say, right, you're paralyzed, you're never going to walk again, mm. deal with it. There's 12 weeks of mm. spinal shock. There, There's lots of, we don't know how it'll play out uh, because lots of people recover, lots of people don't, mm. different injuries. So... Uh, I do remember though lying on the ground below the window. I just knew that I, that that was it. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just sixty bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.